0: Well, Peter, I don't mean to make you do all the work, but uh, I'm halfway through a coffee. I think you've finished. So can you pick up where we've left off over the last few sessions and um, head us off in the right direction?
1: Firstly, this will let you know whether I've finished my coffee or not. (sighs) You'd sit in the laundry in our place if you slept your coffee like that. Oh, sorry. Well, we can continue this from the laundry if you want. (laughs) Now, uh, we've been looking at our purpose to walk in the love of the Father and give it away so all people may cherish His grace and extend His glory. And then in these four podcasts, we've been looking at what would we as a group of disciples look like if that was our reality? And the first thing we said is that we'd be people walking intimately with the Lord, hearing his voice and walking in his ways, so living lives of worship. Secondly, we looked at practicing community, you know, learning to live a new life through community and replicating this transformed newness in all areas of life, and today we're we're looking at, if we, as we walk in the love of the Father and give it away, we'll be people who live out of our identity as sons and daughters of the King, reproducing spiritual children out of our being in Christ. Now, Joppo, it's called simple church or organic church, not because it's simplistic, <clears throat> but because it's natural. Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's what organically happens because that's what the designer designed to happen. Yeah. And so God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of the Eden. He, uh, he said, you guys are stewards over this whole creation. They go, what? And he says, it's okay, it's okay. I'm placing you in a garden. Look after the garden. And then he said to them, you know, go, uh, get a room, basically. Go, be intimate with one another, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, he said to them, go off and naturally have children. So God's plan... For caring for this planet that he created, was to place Adam and Eve in a garden, and then out of the overflow of their intimacy with one another, would be sons and daughters who will have the same heart for creation, ideally, as their mum and dad. Now, that's in the Old Testament. Nothing has changed in the New Testament except that which we've become encumbered with <clears throat> through years of misuse and abuse and neglect in church history, God's plan still is for intimacy with him, intimacy with one another, uh, tight relational community, and out of that community, people in the overflow of their intimacy will have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters who will grow up to copy and carry on what mum and dad did. It's actually that simple. That's how we walk in the love of the father and give it away. Uh, uh, Sorry, just uh, to cut you off there. Our humanness has us thinking that to give it away, we've got to put on a soup kitchen, or we've got to go and have a hot dog stand at the railway station on a Saturday night and give out the four spiritual law tracks to uh, drunk party goers on their way home. Now, I'm not saying that mass evangelism methods are wrong, but I'm saying that we look at a plethora of activities primarily uh, as a neglect to that which the Father has asked for primarily, and that is the natural growing of sons and daughters in our immediate context. So remember what we said last time, community. Jesus gets the gospel of the kingdom, brings the fullness of the kingdom to earth, and hangs around... In a community of 12 disciples to grow them, then he says to them, I'm out of here, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In other words, I'm going to give you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He will not be upon you, he will not be around you, you will not see him face to face like you see me, but he will be within you. So Jesus actually replicates himself, reproduces himself into the life of those 12 sons and daughters. And then he goes back to the father and says, "I've entrusted you guys to carry it out. Everything in the kingdom of God happens around sonship."
0: Yeah, oh, you remember that time we were down in Melbourne? We listened to one Carlos Mm Ortez, you know, a a bit of a giant within um, the church realm, if you like. And uh, he just said, "You know, when when a when a teenage when snotty-nosed teenagers fall in love, you don't have to teach them what to do." With that love, you know, they, they find it out, they explore it, they discover it, and all of a sudden you've got a baby. And who's teaching them how to raise that baby? Well, they don't really have a choice now. They've got a child to raise and to input into, and it's no longer just about themselves. It's about what their love has produced. As I remember that, his story was that reproduction actually comes naturally. Yeah, yeah. It's been, you know... We've no actually, one has to teach it.
1: We've actually got to train adolescents not to...
0: So like, yeah, 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 that's right. Because yeah.
1: it's so natural too. Yeah. And so we've lost some of that in the kingdom because we've uh, had an approach to kingdom life which uh, we've uh, like. we've called church life and we've so systematised and programatised it that we've actually taken away the organic nature and the organic nature is sons and daughters carrying on that which that they've seen and heard in the parents. And, and so a scripture people have heard us talk about before is 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, where Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, By this time you have many thousand, uh, whether he was using hyperbole, exaggeration, or whether that's true, but he says, By this time you have many thousand guardians or teachers in Christ. In other words, anyone can (coughs) stand up with an open Bible, a pulpit, and a microphone. He says, But what you don't have are any spiritual fathers. And then Paul goes on to say, For this reason I became your father through the gospel, Follow my example as I follow Christ. I'm sending Timothy to you. Yeah. Now that asked that asked for Paul to come, but Paul says I can't make it. But I'm sending you Timothy, and if you get Timothy, you get me, because Timothy has the same values, the same heart, the same mind that I do. And when you read the fullness of, of Paul's letters, and uh, you know, if ever you've got half a day or a day, just read the whole lot of them all in one sitting, and you see that his favourite terminology for Timothy is not Timothy, it's not Tim, or it's not what we'd call him in Australia, Timo. kick it to me, Tim-o. You know, Paul calls him my son, because uh, that's not only a, uh, a term of affection and endearment, but it's actually a spiritual reality. Everything Paul has, he's passed on, so that's why he's not arrogant when he says to the uh, Corinthians, follow my example as I followed Christ, what he's saying is this is the way kingdom life happens. Where's the next generation of leaders, Craig? They are in our homes already. Mm, I'm
0: glad they're, you answered they,
1: that. They're, they're our children. And they're the people that, that have asked us to be involved in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, no parent wants to be driving their kids around when they're 35. So we, we, we do the scary thing when the kids come home and said, I've, I've turned 16 and they've already got the L plates. And Eventually, sometime you've got to hop out of the driver's seat and put them in the driver's seat. And, and then, you know, your bunny hop your way down the road. And over a period of six months or a year, what you do is you sit in the passenger seat while they experiment their way through a risky process of getting their license. But the minute you say, oh, you've done it wrong, you imbecile, hop out and let me do it properly. Uh, the minute you do that, you've lost them. Yeah. So we know this in the world. Uh, the invitation is to carry this over in kingdom life. And then, of course, one day, one day we give them the keys, mm-hmm. even though we know that they're going to make mistakes. So, kingdom life is actually about letting, letting the kids, inverted commas, do it, the next generation. And uh, this is just what happened in Hebrew's life, he, he, Hebraic life. Some of, some of you guys listening have heard Tony Fitzgerald talk about this, but about the three phases of life in uh, a Jewish male child back in Jesus' day that they grow through childhood typically zero to 12. Uh, and they have no responsibilities. They have no, uh, it's not that they have no jobs to do, but they are considered a minor in the house. So much so that Paul says this in Galatians chapter four, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything they're, their father had they have to obey the guardians until they reach whatever age the father set and that's the way it was before christ came and so paul is saying that back in jesus day if you were a minor you actually had no rights but you also had no responsibilities, or you had no responsibilities, but you also had no rights. Then at the age set, usually around 12, you were adopted from within your own DNA, from within your own family, you were adopted from childhood into sonship. Ah, now you get responsibilities. Now you go to the carpentry workshop. Now you go into dad's business. You also, at that age, become an heir. So with the responsibilities goes rights. And then at around an age later on, the dad will hand over the whole family business to you and you become the father. So we go through three stages. We go from childhood through sonship to fatherhood. Exactly what is prophesied in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder and he shall be called mighty God, uh, wonderful counsellor, everlasting father. Prince of Peace. So we see Jesus go through childhood up to the age of 12 when his parents find him in the temple, and now he says, Oh, I've got to be about my father's business. Then he goes to Joseph's carpentry workshop, and for 18 years he learns obedience as a son of Joseph, his father. And then at the age of 30, when he's baptized and the heavenly father speaks over him, This is my beloved son, he begins his job, calls his disciples, and becomes an everlasting father by placing into them. Everything he learned and knows from his father. So what's the application for us? The application is to trust that what the heavenly father has built into creation is far more effective in the long term than an abundance and a frenzy and a plethora of activity and programs. If we trust that praying with our children, laying hands on them, trusting them, uh, Modeling them, practicing forgiveness in the home, loving uh, parents, loving each other. As we practice those things, we're actually growing the next generation of disciples within our homes. And the call for us is to actually trust the journey that we've been set on.
0: I'm just going to flick right back because I've got stuck on this point that, you know, in the past we've kind of con- concentrated on reproduction you know it's like saying to two strangers reproduce 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 and giving them the intricacies of what happens to reproduce but inherently for them to reproduce they need to be intimate and so we don't have to tell people to fall in love but as they fall in love reproduction is the natural thing but then we move into the stage of helping people disciple if you like or to raise children intentionally Tara and I have had to skill ourselves because we weren't just uh, imbued with that somehow. But prior to being parents, we've had to skill ourselves in in some of the techniques and the ways to raise children, so that they can also become um, fathers or adults, and and they're equipped to be sent into the world. Um, so I guess the focus is like we've we've spoken a few podcasts ago is is really in abiding and in abiding and in love, and as we are bound with community, then reproduction happens, and then it's helping each other disciple and imprint our lives onto the lives of those who've been given to us out of the world in order that they too can grow up. Um, Have I, not summarized, but have I brought together some things there that uh, are true?
1: Absolutely. And the the beautiful thing about being a parent is that while we don't know what we're doing, especially with the first one straight (laughs) away. uh,
0: The crash test dummy.
1: the, The first thing we do is put them to the breast and feed them. Yeah, not us blokes, but uh, you know So, so the first thing you do is that which comes naturally, and that's nurture. And you're nurturing a baby. Yeah, you're not teaching a teenager how to drive, or you're not, you're empowering not
0: empowering them to use a, a, tool.
1: Yeah, and and, and you're not uh, you're not trying to deal with some delinquent uh, behaviours that may have raised their head. So we actually have time yeah. to grow into that. Yeah, yeah. The we grow in our fathers. Exactly. The problem with a program based approach is that we are often expected to turn up in a room with a group of 12 people who we've never met before and produce results straight away and so one of the things I like in the scriptures is uh, when we're encouraged along the journey of growing and it is a journey so if we don't it it says in Ephesians chapter 4 St. Paul says in a negative way somewhere there he says this is not how you learned Christ and so We learn Christ, we learn the ways of Christ, and we grow into Christ. Paul also says in Ephesians 4 uh, that the gifts God gave to the church are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip God's people for building up His church the body of Christ until we all become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete stature of Christ. So just like raising children is... Uh, various degrees of maturity. So, growing children and the next generation of mothers and fathers in the kingdom is about the same thing. We're we're only ever growing people. Where they're at right now. Yeah. And so we're not teaching a baby how to drive a car. We're not teaching a four-year-old how to use a chainsaw. Yeah. You know. So uh, so in some ways the pressure is actually off. And again, it comes with, as a result of intimacy. We find ourselves in community because of that intimacy. And now we simply allow their true identity as sons and daughters of a loving, kingly, heavenly father to, to be released in them. We don't micromanage them, but we don't just laissez-faire, let them go and do what they like. But we mother and father them. And uh, that's the natural way of growing things in the kingdom. And, and that means that there's a time where we as parents butt out. Uh, and that's probably the hardest thing for us as parents.
0: Which, which to... is a growth point for us.
1: It, it, it is a growth point. And so so there's never a point where we're not growing. I mean, Julie and I are grandparents uh, physically, but the hardest thing has been for us to grow into being grandparents spiritually. And that means allowing people like you and Taya and Adrian and Robin, who when Julie and I felt called to go from being spiritual parents in Starfish Oz to spiritual grandparents, Adrian and Robin weren't even part of the leadership team. Mm-hmm. So as Julie and I go into a grandparently role and even physically shift out of the area as a physical sign of that, it actually creates space for other people to grow into. And that's the thing, that we're always maturing, always growing into the next phase that the father has for us, which then releases people into the gifting that they're being called into and an expression of that.
0: I don't know where to stop, so I'm just going to call it now and uh, we'll continue this conversation next time we get together.